you. I remember him walking into the kitchen. I was like, oh my God, that's Gordon Ramsay. Like, this is amazing. And he was just kind of like looking around the, the kitchen and like, and I'd left, he came running out and he like, he's like, girl, he's like, who are you? And he's like, I, you know, wow, amazing to watch you cook. And, you know, we definitely have to stay in contact and I'll have my people reach out. And I was like, I'll probably never see him again. And then a couple weeks later, his people like reached out. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten in Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go through that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Naisha Joyce Arrington. I am a chef, but I also, I call myself a creative. I think chef, chefing, cooking is a medium of self-expression, but really I, I'm a very right brain um, person and very creative soul. Could you talk a little bit about like your family dynamic and the food that came out of that? You know, growing up, food was extremely important in my family. And my grandmother was the person who raised me. When I think back about those formidable times in my life, I was at the dinner table. You know, we'd wrap the table in newspaper and uh, make dumplings. And I was with my sister and my mom and my grandmother. You know, those memories really helped me kind of craft what I wanted to do as an adult. How, how I'm wired is like, I love to learn the parameters and then I like to like color outside the lines. Because like cooking, especially in professional cooking, it's all about systems and organization, right? Like, cause you cannot be creative and have the fun part if your dumpling wrappers are not here, your filling is here, your you know egg wash or your water's here, and you know you, there's a process, right? So that fascinated me because I always would try to like finish the tasks very quickly that my grandmother would make us do, if that's like peel garlic or you know set the table, and I was always like, okay, there's like a system here, even at five years old. But when I think about my grandmother, she was definitely the first person that I felt that I tasted love through food. You know, when I would think about those fond memories of being with my grandmother, it, it feels very warm in my heart and very nurturing. It was no um, coincidence, I think, that I would uh, carry on that legacy. A lot of people don't go to culinary school until maybe after they have some experience in the field or after they've had whole other careers. Like sometimes there's lawyers that are like, all right, fuck this law shit. I want to uh, do something that's actually interesting. But you knew like very early. So can you talk about that decision? Honestly, Samuel, I feel like I'm put on this planet Earth to be an extension of Mother Nature, right? And that is through the medium of food. I went to culinary school about three months or, or so after I graduated high school. And when I made that decision, it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, 
when I was like graduating high school, I was like, oh, you know, I got to figure out what I'm going to go to school for next. And then I was like, oh, let me just do what it is that I've been doing, which is like cooking, like all through my adolescent stages of life, all through growing up, I've, I've always cooked, you know, and, and played in the kitchen and have my friends over and um, play restaurants. And, you know, I'd always be cooking and trying things and watching cooking shows when I was a kid. But yeah. culinary school is like a level of intensity, like up from that, right? Or did you feel that or did it still feel like playing? Um, you know, honestly, it did still feel like playing. I mean, it's it definitely wraps it up into something a little bit more structured, but it did feel um, like there was a discovery aspect to it. You know, our instructors definitely allowed us to explore and have fun and make mistakes. And, you know, it didn't start to get really intense until I stepped into professional kitchens. And I was like, oh, this is completely different than like culinary school or anything I'd ever done. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a great experience and I'm really grateful that I found it at an early age. Can you tell me about the first time you stepped into the the big leagues of of the kitchen space? The energy of a kitchen is um, a relentless pursuit of time efficiency. You're always in tandem thinking about how to structure and execute. Like that is the formula at a very high pace, right? So it takes a certain um, analytical creative brain to thrive in that kind of environment because everything is right now, right? You are responsible for entire person's um, experience. They're saying, I'm going to patron this restaurant and have this monetary exchange. I'm going to give you my hard earned dollars in return. You're going to feed my soul. So it's an amazing um, entity, right? This particular kitchen was um, very small and the dish station and the hotline were pretty close to each other. There wasn't a lot of ventilation, so it's almost like it was a sauna. Like it was so hot, Um, but so hot, so challenging. Um, I was the only female in the kitchen. You know, back then it was not as, how do I say, you know, this was pre Me Too movement. This is pre talks of inclusion, you know, being the only woman of color in the kitchen could be challenging. You know, I think it's interesting though, because I never looked at it like that. Like I always looked at my output to dictate and show who I am, what 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 I can bring, right? So I always go 110%, whether, whether that means I need to show up three hours before my shift to get the task done because I'm not great at it yet or stay, you know, three hours after my shift to just, you know, show not my peers, but myself that I can do it. And if it takes me some more time to get to that finish line, I'll put in the work, you know, because at the end of the day, it's my craft. Do you remember some of like the banter in the kitchen or the conversations that you had in the kitchen that kind of like showcases the the era that you were uh, first experimenting in that environment? I mean, kitchens are a very boisterous place, right? So it's it's always everyone holding each other accountable for the most part, right? So like we're always going to be looking at each other's like knife cuts, like, you know, we might have a ruler like on our um, toolkit tray and like be measuring other people's like brunoise, right? That's like a perfectly small, tiny dice. And like, they have to be like perfect on every cube 
we're always like talking crap to each other. And like, that's like the general banter in a kitchen. It's like holding each other to excellence. I think I took a lot of the like, the bared the brunt, you know, cause it's like, oh, this woman, you know, or like, need like can't cook or like, um, you know, she moves too slow or like, it's not like a easy place to be uh, in the kitchen. Yeah, those types of conversations of like verbal abuse. <laughs> I'm just thinking about uh, the Gordon Ramsay creative, just like verbal abuse that he, like, he does on those shows. I'm wondering if, is it like at all the same? Is it at all the same? It is a thousand percent the same. Those are the types of kitchens that I came up in for the first 15 years of my career were the Gordon Ramsay style. And it's so funny because, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts in my career because I really love the art of dialogue and sharing the journey. And, and his name gets brought up a lot because of his willingness to be vulnerable, to put his authentic self out there. And I think he's been the face of like maniacal, ego-driven, pan-throwing chef. But the reality is, is a lot of chefs were like that. And I'm sure he was led like that. A lot of the chefs I worked for were led like that you know in full transparency you know I led like that like the first not to that extent but like the first chef job that I had you know someone burns a chicken right for example there was one time we were on the line cooking and this guy was like so behind and this guy is on a grill and he burns this chicken black it's like black burned and he's walks up to me so calmly and is like oh do you think this is okay and like the rest of the food was like in the past and like we it was like that table was dragging already and it was like i was so frustrated like i took the pan like out of his hand and put it in the dish like i basically tossed it into the dish station like pretty aggressively and i'm like no it's not okay like it's not okay you need to learn and you need to know and it's so hard like to when you're working with with seconds so much pressure it's such a high-paced environment absolutely I feel like that kind of leadership style, it seems like it came out when you were first asked to be on Top Chef. So could you tell me about that story? I mean, when I came up, there was no cooking shows. There, That's not what the recipe of a successful chef was. It was, you get your great write-up, you know, people come to your restaurant and that's it. Like, that's what being a chef was. Today, it's like, oh, you're a TV personality. You have great social media following, you're a content creator. Like, there's so many other avenues that have emerged out of food. And back then, yeah, in 2008, when Top Chef first called, the hostess came to the kitchen. It's a Friday night service. And she said, Top Chef is on the phone. So I walked out into the dining room and I said, don't ever fucking call this restaurant again. <laughs> and no, I'm not interested in the show. And, um, and I hung up. A couple years went by and I was like, oh, and then I was living in Hawaii at the time and I got an email and they were like, oh, you know, are you interested? And I was like, oh, really? No. After the, the, <laughs> the last encounter, they still tried. Yeah. It's just, it was a different time. Like people weren't really doing TV. It was like, you're either on Food Network or you were a restaurant chef. And I always, it was very important to me to be known as a restaurant chef. Like that, uh, at that time. That was, was where legitimacy the, at the time. Correct. Exactly. That was about the craft. Exactly. And so uh, when you were in Hawaii and they asked you again, what had changed? I 
think I've seen a couple seasons. I think, um, you know, I was able to lead some more teams. I think I learned more about myself. I think, you know, I wasn't so fresh in the game, you know, two years in. I'm like, okay, this is an interesting option, you know. Plus, I'm a really competitive person. And I was like, oh, cooking and competition, like, this could be fun. So I was like, let me give it a shot. And so how was it? It was so hard. Oh my <laughs> God, it was like so hard. It was more emotionally challenging, I have to be honest, because like, you know, you go there and you're sequestered for three months. You are not able to talk to your family. They say that About you can't the even- show? Nothing, no, just... you can't even just talk to them. What? You cannot talk to your family. You cannot uh, leave. You are with a handler the entire time. And so you're so, not allowed to have like a phone or anything like that? No, you have no cell phone, no internet. You're literally in wow. a room. And so that alone was What'd like so hard. Read? Just like in your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you totally read, write. Did pace, you realize it was going to be like that intense? Just <laughs> completely cut clue. off from the society? That was the most, that was the most difficult part of all of it. You are yeah. 100% cut off from society. Literally. Um, it was just, oh it was just really challenging. Yeah. That's really super challenging. isolating. Yeah, totally. I think it's like let up a lot now. Yeah. And I don't regret any moment of it. Yeah, because you're you're continuing to do it. So like, why? Why do I continue? Yeah. You know, like I said, I'm here for the journey. You know, I'm here for life experience. And I ultimately, I think it's a good life experience. You know, in 2012, um, after I did the show, you know, restaurant sales doubled. I think that's why a lot of people doubled. do it now. Wow. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people do it now is the exposure. You know, you become a national brand or name recognition. People were coming in saying, wow, like you were so amazing on the show and that we really saw your personality and your character. And I'm very quiet sometimes, you know, and, and humbled and modest. And so um, it's interesting. It's just an interesting self-development experience, I feel like. And so you've also been on the other side of it because in... Uh... 2020 you were a guest judge on MasterChef, right? Yes. So yes. how was that experience on the other side? It's great. I mean, I feel like my favorite part about it is not because I get to be like on the other side of the table, like judging your knife cuts, but honestly, it's that I can relate, you know, like I'm not too far down the success route. Yeah. To be like, I don't understand how you feel right now. Like I completely understand how you feel. And if I could, I'd throw on an apron and help you plate your dish because I want everybody to do the best that they can, you know, and show and, and having gone through that and having feeling like I wanted to jump out of my skin at times now, having gone through that, I can to champion that and win that, right? And so, you know, other than that, it's a very fulfilling thing, you know? We uh, talked about Garden before. There was an encounter more recently too, right? Yes. Could you talk about how you ended up uh, uh, for or, well, him asking like that he wanted to work with you more? So I um, had the pleasure of meeting him actually first in 2009 when he came into my kitchen um, that I was working at at the time, a three-star Michelin kitchen for Joël Robuchon, who is uh, the chef of the century. And um, I remember him walking into the kitchen. I was like, oh my God, that's Gordon Ramsay. Like, this is amazing. And like, he's so tall and, and he's kind of like looking around the, the kitchen and like, um, that was like super cool in itself. But then fast forward, like 10 plus years later, 
Um, I'm on his set and um, I made a dish that I had made um, at that same kitchen, actually, for Joël Rebouchon. And come to find out that Gordon worked for the same chef when he was younger. Really? And so when, yes. And so when I made that dish, I am telling you, when I was cooking, he was like, you know, six feet away from me, maybe. And I could feel his like energy wanting to like cook next to me. And it felt so beautiful. And so after that whole process and I left, he came running out and he like, he's like, girl, he's like, who are you? And he's like, I, you know, wow, amazing to watch you cook. And, you know, we definitely have to stay in contact and I'll have my people reach out. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I shook his hand and a tear like came out of my eye and I like squeezed him. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so amazing. I'll never forget this moment. And I was like, I'll probably never see him again. And then a couple weeks later, his people like reached out and they were like, hey, you know, Gordon has been asking if we've like contacted you. And we did a couple like Zoom calls and they were like, you know, maybe we want to develop something with you. What do you think? Like, what are your ideas? What's important to you? And I said, you know, for me, mentorship is very important to me. You know, I wouldn't be here without many mentors um, who have been on my life path and have helped me along the way. So mentorship is very important to me. And then so about... Six months ago, they said, hey, we're developing a new show called Next Level Chef, and we'd love for you to judge it with Gordon. What? What is my life? Like, what? I couldn't believe it. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. I was having this conversation with my dad, and I was like, dad, I don't even know. Like, is this the part where you're like, did I make it? Like, I don't, is this like, you know, it's going to be a path of continued uh, of the journey, but like, it, it's just, you work so hard, right, for your craft. And, you know, when you get an opportunity like this, you're like, wow, like, you're going to really be able to change the lives of a lot of people, you know, that are going to be, because it's essentially like the voice, like, uh, but for cooking. So I'll get like, we'll each get teams of five and they'll kind of compete against each other to, to win, win the competition. So to be able to connect with these people, like, that's going to bring me so much joy. And then also to be like judging and cooking and um, working alongside Gordon and Gino. What are you like looking most forward to? I mean, uh, in, in the coming like weeks, months, uh, years, and what, what are you most excited about? I'm most excited about showing people who, you know, don't have access and don't have a lot of um, opportunities around them to show them that through grit and will and perseverance and vulnerability that you can truly make anything happen. You can truly make anything happen because I am a living example of that. Like I come from a very blue collar family. I was not given much opportunity. I Every opportunity has been created. And I think that that for me is what I'm most excited about for sure is to show people that anyone can pursue their dreams. Back in the day, the only cooking shows that were on TV were considered, quote unquote, women's programming. In a blase step-by-step, home economists and nutritionists would teach women how to make healthy, delicious meals to please their husband. But cooking shows today couldn't have steered away further. Today, they capture the meticulous craft of cooking, the cutthroat intensity of the kitchen, and the creative inception of each dish. Not only do they prove that cooking is far more than a domestic pastime, but also that women like Naisha 
clearly belong in the kitchen for more reasons than to impress a husband. In the kitchen, Nisha is a leader, a business person, a craftsperson, and a storyteller. Now looking from the outside in as a judge, Nisha is looked to as an expert. Her upcoming show gives her the opportunity to uplift anyone else who has what it takes to be a chef, regardless of their background. Playing make-believe restaurant and carrying out family traditions is what inspired the hard work and grit that's got her to where she is today. Maybe not everyone can become a great chef, but Nisha's story reminds us that a great chef can come from anywhere. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Matt Fernandez, Sophia Donner, Aaron Devereaux, Nicholas Guzman, Ashley Jimenez, Tomas Renteria, Nathan Tower, Callum Turnbull, Lauren Yamada, and Maura Lynch. Our outreach and research lead is Ankita Nambiar, with support from Miriam Arden, Sarah Hobson, Lisa Lett, Kenny Ong, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, and Marie Vaughn. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Natalie Agnew, Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Harrison Duffy, Alexandra Huntalis Adams, Kylie McCreary, Beatrice Phillips, and Virna Seminario. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Sohail Amatya, Tiffany Dang, Anna Rivelli, and Allison Wong. The video editing team is Eli Lawrence, with support from Melanie Mack and Linda Tapia. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.